Thanks for joining me for episode 11 of the Field Quiver Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Jody Thibodeau, and it's my goal to help you feel your quiver with God and the great outdoors. Now, before we get into this week's episode with Drew Gregory, let me go ahead and ask you right here, right now, just to take literally two seconds. And if you haven't already clicked the follower subscribe buttons on whatever uh, provider you're uh, listening to the show on, go ahead and do that. And then once you've done that, turn the notifications on so that you'll find out whenever new content drops, right when it drops. If you'd like to support the show in ways other than just listening, then there are several ways you can do that. And the first that I like to ask for is prayer. Prayer for myself, prayer for the show. Aside from that, if you want to support us financially, then you can pick up some swag from fieldquiveroutdoors.com. And we've only got a few stickers and some gospel fly merchandise up right now, but we're looking at adding some more stuff over the next couple of months. If you're looking for other free ways that you can support us, then I've got some good news. There's a couple of more ways you can do it. You can leave us a good rating and review wherever you're listening or watching. And the last thing you can do is share the podcast with somebody you know who may be interested in the topics that we talk about. Now that I've got my sales pitch out of the way of how you can support the show, let's go ahead and talk about what's on my radar over the last couple of weeks since the last episode dropped. First off, we've got the state of Mississippi. They have recently dropped a new logo for Mississippi Outdoors. Uh, I apologize for not having looked into what exactly Mississippi Outdoors is to tell those of you who, like myself, are not from Mississippi. But based on the post on Instagram and X to go along with this logo, it sounds like it's their publication or perhaps some sort of a state uh, wildlife or outdoor show. I'm not really sure. Anybody listening from Mississippi, if you want to help me out and save me some time from having to do the research myself, just uh, drop drop a comment in here below the show, and I would be much appreciative. Moving on from Mississippi, uh, a couple things about South Carolina State Parks. First off, if you recall, I talked about the dashing through the park scavenger hunt they did uh, at the end of last year during the holiday season. Well, uh, we got our points to get the goodie bag uh, uh, with our kids, and we just received the goodie bag in the mail uh, this past week. So first off, if you're watching on YouTube, you, you can see this. If not, I'll post pictures of these on, on the Instagram account uh, here in the next couple of days. But there's a beanie with the logo on it. Uh, we also got a koozie with the Dashing Through the Park Scavenger Hunt logo on it, and a notebook so my kids have thoroughly enjoyed playing with this stuff over the last few days and using it since we got it so if you live in south carolina and weren't able to participate this year because you didn't know about it then uh just keep an eye on the south carolina state parks uh, social media accounts and websites for later this year and also uh, I'll try and keep up with it and let you know about it through the On My Radar segment uh, as soon as they announce it at the end of the year, if they do it again, which hopefully they do. Uh, 
as far as Colorado, every time I talk about the wolf reintroduction in Colorado, it seems like something new comes out the same day I drop that episode. Well, if you recall in the last episode, I believe I said something along the lines of they've reached the maximum number of wolves that they were able to get from the state that they've gotten their current 10 from and that they didn't have any arrangements to get the remaining five that they wanted to release by March of this year. Well, they made an arrangement with the Confederated Tribes of Coldville Reservation to obtain 15 wolves off of the reservation. Now, however, they will not be able to reach their goal of having 15 wolves reintroduced into the state by March because they can't start trying to capture the wolves from the reservation until December of this year. But the uh, agreement says that they have from December of 24 until March of 2025 to capture uh, these 15 wolves to be reintroduced there into Colorado. Last thing on the radar is uh, there's a little bit of drama going on in the fishing tackle industry, maybe. Now, if you're following uh, Bass Reaper Bait Company um, on Instagram, this is where I found out about this about. Go to their Instagram ac account and you can read it. But the impression I got from the post that they put on January 19th is that uh, this is a actual email correspondence. I don't know. I can't confirm that. I'm just going off of what I read on their account. But it sounds like uh, they might not be getting paid by CatchCo, which is the parent company of Mystery Tackle Box, uh, because there's apparently a buyout happening with CatchCo. I don't know. That's just the way I'm interpreting uh, this post that they put up. Go and read it yourself. Don't take my word for it. See what you think it means. And uh, if you have any thoughts, then maybe start a conversation in the comments section. But that's it for what's on my radar for this week. Now, let's go ahead and move into this great conversation that I had with professional kayak angler, kayak designer, and He's actually a kayak fishing tournament series uh, organizer and director now, uh, which he actually helped put on another series in the past. But he's, he's taken that title on again with uh, a new series called the Kayak Adventure Series, which kicks off with Sholy Palooza this spring. And... Uh, it, it's a great conversation about kayak fishing and specifically uh, this new series and how to catch that shoal bass that's on so many people's bucket list. But without further ado, here's my conversation with Drew Gregory. Hope you guys enjoy it. So on this episode of the Field Quiver Outdoors podcast, I'm joined with Drew Gregory. So Drew, glad to have you with me. And uh, for the folks that aren't familiar with you, uh, go ahead and give us a little bit of a bio and your claim to fame. 
Yeah, I mean, the I don't know, the shortest version. Again, I feel like I'm dating myself now that I have like a, a long version. There's a lot to say because I've, I've been around long enough to do quite a, a bit in the fishing industry and kayak fishing. So I will try to condense it for you guys. Uh, but basically, you know, started uh, fishing kind of for a living or, or, you know, working in the kayak fishing industry in 2009. And uh, when I teamed up with Jackson Kayak and designed a signature series kayak with them and kind of the rest is history spent a good 10 years with that company and now work with crescent kayaks you probably see somewhere up there a little bit of a crescent logo and uh, design some boats with them and of course doing all that i do a little bit of everything else right i fish tournaments as you can see done done well in a few tournaments here so i've got some some trophies and checks here behind me and um, a lot of people know me from the tournaments. some people know me from the kayak designs some people know me from a show i did called hooked on wild waters for five seasons uh, and then now people know me, I think, again, for developing and starting a, a new tournament trail. Uh, I ran the River Bassin Tournament Trail for about seven or eight years. I don't know, until about, forget what, that was probably 2011, 2012 to 2019. But now I've started something new, which we'll get into later in the show, called the Kayak Adventure Series. And I cannot wait to tell you guys more about that. But that's pretty much it. Uh, blessed to be able to work in this industry for a living and work with a lot of great folks and enjoy God's beautiful creation while I do it. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, so I am new with kayak fishing myself personally. And, um, one of the things with you is I've actually really been eyeballing ever since, uh, I, I got into it about a year or two ago, uh, the Sholey kayak that you helped design with Crescent. Tell yeah. tell me about how your relationship with those guys started up and the design of the Sholey. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. You know, like it's funny how God works because COVID kind of, I think it changed a lot of things for a lot of people. For me, it changed, you know, basically who I was working with on kayaks because we didn't know what was going to happen in the world and, and things just had to change. So I, I found crescent and they were looking for someone to kind of you know do some more specialized fishing kayaks you know they have a really good lineup of wreck slash fishing boats already they just wanted someone to kind of take it to the next level in terms of fishy features that only someone who fishes is hardcore you know and as much as i do would know how to design plus of course given uh you know 10 years experience doing that already so it just kind of worked out, and they happen to be based in Georgia, where I'm from originally, uh, even though I live in northeast Ohio now, where my wife's from. And, uh, hey, free babysitting with the grandkids is, you know, for our kids is perfect. And um, so anyway, we're up here now, and Crescent's down there. just worked out perfectly. My family's still in Atlanta, so I get to see them. But basically the, the concept just came from the fact that, man, I really fell in love with kayak fishing, honestly, when I was in Georgia and was fishing for shoal bass because it's one of the rare black bass species, you know, largemouth, smallmouth, spotted bass, Alabama, but you know, like you go through all of them and then shoal bass. It's just one of the, I mean, there's probably like nine or 10 official ones now, but it's one of those. And it's only found in, in Georgia pretty much as a small population in Florida still in the entire world. And they're not like a, this little fish that doesn't really pull hard. It doesn't, you wouldn't care about cause it gets small. I mean, I've caught, a couple over seven pounds and they regularly get, you know, three, four, five, and six pounds. That is very, very common. So they have big mouths. They get big, they fight hard. You know, that, that one fish I caught, one of them was 24 and a quarter inches. So, I mean, they get as long and as big as, you know, large mouth and 
and other uh, black bass too. So they're a really, really fun fish to catch. Their scientific name is Fish of the Waterfalls, and they live in some of the most beautiful places with rivers and creeks, and they only live in, in moving water, so they don't, you know, reside in lakes at all. For whatever reason, they just don't don't like it. That's not where they spawn. They spawn in the, in the shoals, so hence shoal bass. And their nickname is Sholy. And, of course, when it was time to design a new boat that was a river-focused boat, it was just the most obvious choice. It took me back to my roots. It's where Crescent, you know, is, and of course, why I fell in love with kayak fishing. So, and we're going to have a big event called Sholey Palooza on the Kayak Adventure Series, which we'll get into uh, later, I'm sure. But that's kind of how the Sholey yeah. came about. And uh, I lo- people have loved that boat, and I appreciate every one of you guys who have purchased one and sent me comments about how much you love it. And I, I would not want to be. In, I'm obviously biased, but I wouldn't want to be in anything else. And moving water because that's just the type of angler I am, and that's the the way I built that boat to be really just everything is sleek and laid back and it's simple and it's not cluttered. I don't my style isn't to have a boat where things are sticking up off of tracks everywhere and rods are sticking up and it just doesn't work in rivers and creeks. You need things to be like laid down and flat and simple for the rivers. Uh, so that's kind of the way I built that boat. And of course you can build it up and make it what you want, but it's a very good boat for you know, paddling and, and moving water for sure with the whole design we have on that sucker. Yeah. And like, like I say, that's, that's the one I'm eyeballing and uh, I'm, I'm setting this year. My goal is to set, set a little bit aside every month and, and maybe catch one uh, when Crescent does their big uh, sell at the end of the year, like they've done yeah. the last few years. But uh, no, the, um, anybody that's wanting to know more about, about that particular kayak, they can check it out on the Crescent website. And if, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you you did a walkthrough uh, there with the owner of Crescent of the yes. Sholey that they can watch the video on YouTube, right? You for should, all yeah. You, I would just go to, the yeah, like you said, the website, and that video is on the webpage for the Sholey. It's all there, and we're actually, we you know, I didn't mention this, which is a good time to mention it. Uh, a portion of every sale of a Sholey kayak goes to the habitat restoration of the shoal bass and actually, you know, to the fish through the Flint River Keeper, which is the main river that those fish, you know, live in. Uh, we also support okay. or starting to support some other, you know, river keepers as well. But anyway, just so you know, like we're trying to set a new standard in kayak, you know, sales where, you know, hey, let's let's give a portion of every sale back to the fish, the environment, you know, uh, any anyone who's out there protecting the rivers and lakes on our behalf because, you know, Drew Gregory, the, the person, doesn't have enough money to go fight a big corporation who's dumping something that is not good for our health and the fish's health in the rivers. And that's what these river keepers do all around the country. Um, they fight for us and, and, and go and take them to take them to court so we can, you know, have great fisheries and have great water quality, which we all of course need. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I'll make sure I include a link uh, there to the Crescent website, specifically the, the Sholey, uh kayak mm-hmm. uh, in the show notes. Uh, but uh, moving on from that, we'll we'll go ahead and go into uh, some of your hardware there around you. You're you've won oh, yeah. multiple tournaments, and uh, now I watched uh, the I guess it was the big announcement that you guys did toward the end of last year about the kayak adventure series. Mm-hmm. Um, is that going to be your primary focus now, or are you going to continue doing the yeah. the bass tournaments? Uh, I will have, yeah, so there's six events for the Kayak Adventure Series, and, you know, in a years, the years past, I usually will fish somewhere between 12 and 14 big tournaments when I wasn't running the Kayak Adventure Series, so now that I am, that that takes away six full weeks right there, so 
I obviously have to trim my schedule back from fishing, you know, the, the tournaments myself, but I am still going to fish the Bassmaster Kayak Series for sure. And also uh, cherry pick, you know, an event here and there and some of the other national trails. We'll just have to see, you know, which ones I can, I can make, but I'll definitely still fish the Bassmaster Kayak Series at least, you know, for, you know, they've got like six total, but I'll be at the championship that's held in conjunction with the Bassmaster Classic. I qualified for that um, last year and, and uh, I'll be at, you know, three, three other ones, probably three or four. So yeah, I'm going to have a little time, but I don't know if I'll be making a run at, you know, AOIs and multiple trails and, and whatnot, like I have in the past, but uh, I don't know. Okay. We'll see. I get to bring the family with me at the, for the kayak adventure series and the kids are young and, you know, it's, it's, it's tough being gone 12, 13, 14 weeks of the year when you got young ones who change so fast. And, and that's actually just tournaments. There's other things we do, like ICAST, our big industry trade show in July, and there's other reasons I have to travel and be away from the family, too. So this was really nice uh, how I can kind of bring the family with me to most all those Kayak Adventure Series events, and then I'm only gone for the handful of of other tournaments that I fish. Okay, yeah. And uh, so let's just go ahead and move in into the new series that you're starting up. Um, I've watched the uh, the intro uh, like mm-hmm. I mentioned, um, I watched part of the live feed, I think last week it was, uh, and uh, was kind of bouncing in and out uh, with with watching it. But um, it is very family oriented based on uh, what, what you guys were saying. So uh, for yeah. folks that might be looking into getting into a multi-day tournament, mm-hmm. since that's what this is, uh, go ahead and, and fill us in uh, about this particular tournament. Yeah, so it's it's really cool. You'll definitely have to go uh, to the website to get all the information at, at kayakadventureseries.com. But yeah, the the brief synopsis on that is it's simply uh, you know a tournament slash festival, and the whole premise and the, the whole it's very very thought out. This is like so calculated. People don't really even realize that how calculated everything about this series is. But it's all about making sure there's built-in time to hang out and just enjoy each other's company, develop friendships, camaraderie. You know, maybe you need someone to lean on, uh, you know, when things, you know, obviously life is tough. Things happen, man. It's not like, you know, roses and perfect all the time. And this is an event where you can get to know other anglers and build those relationships and those friendships and your families can as well, if you bring your families. And, uh, and then of course I want to see my goal so that that happens so that down the road, like, it's changing someone's life, you know, for the better. And the way some of the kayak tournaments have evolved, a lot of the, especially a lot of the bigger trails, and it's not a, a bad thing or it's not a knock on those trails. And I still fish them and love them because that's, you know, I'm highly competitive. But the more money that gets into it and the kind of bigger it gets, the more it becomes like, for example, the on the PGA Tour, you don't see a lot of PGA Tour players aren't out having a good time and just taking it easy and it you know, all weekend long, just kind of partying, you know, having fun. There's, it's their job. They're taking it serious. They're in bed by a certain time. They're up early and kayak fishing. When we first kind of got into it and it started to grow at the very, very onset, it was very much about the community. And we had these things called boondoggles. And then I did some river bass and rodeos or just camp out, hang out. Let's just have fun. Let's fish. Let's don't worry about, you know, the tournament. Now this is just a combination of, of both of those. So it's the best of both worlds in the format. And the rule set, so many of us got into kayak fishing to fish these wild places like the rivers and the creeks and, and other people got into it maybe to fish the lakes and, 
and all of the above are awesome. We just love how diverse and the kayak is and how different each of us are, our personalities are. So the whole premise is, again, to kind of like highlight the diversity of the kayak and everyone's personalities. And therefore, the rules and the format allow you to fish any way you prefer out of a kayak. So if you want to fish rivers and creeks and you want to uh, access at the bridge or a canoe and kayak launch on a wildlife management area or somewhere like that, which is, again, why I mean, so many people got into the sport because you can't do that with a boat, right? Only way to fish those those places is with a kayak. So we want to keep that as a part of the tournament, but then also highlight and and keep the you know mini bass boat, you know, with the motors and the the live scope and all the electronics and the power poles, torpedoes. We want to also you know include everything. So it's it's kind of a cool format because yeah, you can fish the small skinny water and you can fish the big water. But we just want to see, well, how does it all shake out, you know, like uh, and you're allowed to portage over obstacles like man, uh, not not man-made, but natural obstacles. So river uh, like a sorry, a, a log across the river or a rapid that you're not comfortable running or or whatnot. You can portage uh, up and down those kind of things. No problem. And this just allows everyone to fish their style. And then I hope that in our top 10, I really feel like this will be true, that, you know, you got one person that was in a river. One person in the lake, another person in a creek, another person in, you know, fishing offshore in the lake. Another guy said he was in the backwater of the lake or fishing docks on the bank. Just all different styles being successful. And I think that's going to happen for sure. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the, the gist of it. Our, the coolest part about it really is that, you know, it's sponsored by, headline sponsored by GoPro. And I feel like one of the coolest parts is the fact that we go to these cool historic theaters for our awards and every single tournament stop all six are the same we're all at a, a very cool historic theater with the marquees and the lights and and all that and these cool downtowns of these kind of medium small towns that we visit you know they seat like four or five five hundred people there's one actually in missouri that seats a thousand and uh just bringing everyone together there and seeing the pictures and videos of their week you know their, you know their catches Obviously, we only have time to, to show some pictures and videos of the top 10 that, are, that we're going to be talking to on stage. But things like that, just making it very different and, and making that uh, festival, which, which is pretty much going to happen on Saturday at every event on Saturdays, uh, bouncy houses, food trucks, games, music, drinks, Toyota truck demos, uh, kayak demos, vendors and merch, merch tents, you know, all that for the community and the friends that come and the family and all the anglers. So it's, it's pretty cool. And the last thing I'll back up to, to say about it, and then you can ask me some more questions, is simply um, the way we, we have structured it to where there's no doubt about people are going to be able to hang out and enjoy each other's uh, company and fellowship and not be stressed that they're losing ground on the tournament is the fact that we're starting the event. Uh, well, our opening ceremonies is on Thursday night, and that's always at a restaurant or a brewery, brewery or somewhere. We can kind of hang out and have fun, right? And then – they're basically uh, Friday, the event actually starts at three in the afternoon, three to seven. So there's no pre-fishing allowed on Friday morning until that three o'clock time. So what does that do? Well, that, that allows us after we check everybody in at that opening ceremonies, the registration and check in uh, and a little rules question and answer on Thursday. That allows people that Thursday to hang out as long as they want at that particular location we're at, restaurant or wherever. and and know that they're not losing ground. You don't have to get up at four in the morning the next morning or five in the morning. You can be out and hang out in fellowship all you want. You're not, 
there's nothing really out you can't do on Friday morning. You know what I mean? So there's no reason to leave. So that's one time of real good fellowship with the anglers. They come together. And then Friday morning, there's an optional uh, breakfast seminar series where I bring in some big names. You know, I'll, I'm sure I'll do some some big names in the industry, some biologists, some, you know, top tournament anglers, uh, instructors. And we have a seminar series. There's three seminars that last 45 minutes over breakfast that next morning. So if you want to kind of, you know, it's only 10 o'clock. It's not super early. So, again, if you were out late the night before, no big deal. Um, you can still have plenty of sleep and come to that breakfast and recover and, and hang out. And, and then it ends around 1230. So you got plenty of time to still get on the water by three. And you have a little short three to seven afternoon session. It's, I mean, it's a five fish tournament between both days. So, you know, if, if you don't really catch anything on Friday or if you can't even make Friday, it's not the end of the world. You know, most tournaments are just one day for five fish. So it's just a little bonus fishing time. Uh, and then it also allows us to fish the afternoon and the evening bite, which is kind of cool in a tournament and part of a weekday. With, so that's probably less local pressure on the waters. And then Saturday, um, it's, it's, you know, normal fishing day for a tournament, 6.30, around 6.30 in the morning until 3 p.m. And like, like I said, the festival will start around 2 or 3 and then go till we go to the awards around 6 o'clock at the theater. And then after the, the awards are over, we're going to go to an after party, a designated after party location on Saturday night. And like Thursday, think about this, like Thursday, Jody, there is no reason on Saturday that that everyone shouldn't be back there at that festival and the awards and they wouldn't want to be. I mean, everyone should want to be because it's a lot of fun. We're all getting together and it's Saturday. It's not Sunday. We don't have to get back to work on Monday. Like get, get on the road as fast as possible, which, you know, is, is unfortunately it is the case for these bigger tournaments that are two days because we do have full-time jobs. We do have to get on the road. If we don't cash a check, there's no reason to be back at the, wherever they're holding the awards. So really it's mainly just the people that are there to receive their awards and that's fine. But we just, again, our focus on this series was that camaraderie and that fellowship. So we wanted to make sure we ended on Saturday so that people could be there celebrating and applauding their, you know, friends on stage or, you know, obviously if they go on stage too, uh, and have a true stage and just the, you know, just the confetti or smoke, you know, going off in a really cool place for the uh, anglers to get presented with the awards. So that's kind of the idea and why uh, the format is the way it is. And, and so some people might say, well, it's a bummer. I got to take a... I might have to take a Friday off at work, but the reality is we have a pretty cool uh, pre-fishing format, uh, like a practice fishing period, right? So the two weeks prior to our tournament starting, so two Fridays prior to the tournament Friday, you're allowed to fish four days within that window, and you pick the four. So it's really kind of cool because that allows people to, if you live, you know, hour, two, three, four away, you can go travel on Friday after you get off work and fish Saturday and Sunday to practice fish the area, and then do it again the next weekend, and that'd be, that's your four days right there, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, uh, if, if you want to not take off work, right, at all. Yeah. Um, and then come in on Friday and just take that one day off work, obviously the one day, and that's it. So in another tournament or other tournaments where it's like you can only fish the three days or seven days pre prior, you have to take off that whole week of vacation to, like, pre-fish so this at least gives you that option to still do that if you need to or want to or if you live 15 hours away then you're definitely going to do that option you can't get there you know the weekends before so it actually allows you to, to use less vacation time instead of more as well so even though it, it is a friday 
that we start. So that's that's a couple of cool things. We also have a lot of other divisions to enter the team division. We have a, a smallest five fish, the micro bag division. Um, and and by the way, the two, the team division, I think I, maybe I said it's two man. So again, promotes yeah. that camaraderie, lets you ride with somebody from your from your area, kind of travel together. You don't have to fish together, but obviously a lot of people do who are on a team. And you can enter the individual division and the team division. You can enter them both. You can enter it all and the micro bag. Um, and there's just a lot of cool kind of extra stuff like that going on and ways to win that you guys can check out on the website. Yeah, and uh, I like I like the format with some of the rules that you mentioned that are going to be unique to this. And I think one of them was that you can actually troll uh, yeah. while while you're moving from point to point and and have two rides going at a time you can so, yeah a lot of unique uh, stuff like that if you read the rules a unique aoi yeah. format oh, yeah. there's a and actually there's and we'll go over the stops uh, if you want um angler of the the year format is pretty cool too because we have five regular season events and then a finale which we call broodstock that's our name for our bassmaster classic if you will and uh you just have to fish two of the five to get in that aoi race that's it. If you fish three or four, that just gives yourself, you know, a throwaway, like a mulligan tournament. And that also applies for the team of the year. So there's a team of the year awards uh, and point race and angler of the year. So uh, you fish two of the five and then you go to the finale. And the finale is the one that everyone has to be at and fish. And then we crown the angler of the year, and the team of the year there based on the points of those three events, you know. So pretty exciting uh you know, cool stuff going on over there and we'll see, you know, how, how it goes this year. But so far, a lot of good positivity and, and a lot of momentum with it. And, you know, having some big companies on board and, and the fishing industry and outside of the fishing industry is pretty cool for sure. So we'll, uh, we'll just have to see how it all shakes down. Okay. And, uh, I just want to mention this for, for any listeners that haven't checked out the website yet, uh, or seen any of your live, live videos, but uh, you guys are planning on uh, having these tournaments in different places each year, right? So that if yeah. something's not necessarily close to where somebody lives this year, there may be something closer next year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you want, I got my the, the uh, yes, screen man. up here. If you want to share my screen, you're welcome yeah. to. But if you go to uh, – I'll just quickly show you the events because that way everyone here watching can see where we're going to be. All right, let's start with uh, – you can click on the events tab here and see them all. Right there. It's uh, May 3rd and 4th. We've got Sholey Palooza in Thomaston, Georgia. And, um, man, we, one of the things we didn't even mention, uh, which, again, I could go on and on all day. There's so many things to say about the series. I know we don't want to go forever. But the um, every one of these events will be ha have, like, a kayak manufacturer, an official kayak manufacturer that sponsors it. So Sholey Palooza, when you click on it here, May 3rd and 4th, 2024 in Thomaston, Georgia. You click on it, you see it's sponsored by Crescent Kayaks. And that makes sense. We make that surely like we've already talked about. But what happens is at this event here, we're going to uh, raffle off a Sholey. You can see some Shoal Bass right here. But you can, um, we're going to raffle off a Sholey kayak for, and that's a good picture of one there. There's my wife with like a five pounder. So you can see how big those fish get. But we'll raffle off one of these Sholey kayaks for uh, pediatric cancer. That's our our charity for this first season, and uh, you know that's that's a pretty important part of the series that we didn't really talk about. We're raising money for pediatric cancer, and every single kayak manufacturer has donated a kayak for each event. You know the one that they headline sponsor to be raffled off for cancer, and uh, that that's pretty cool. We're also raising money for the the local river keepers, like I said earlier, uh, that we give money to for every sale of the Sholey kayak. So we'll raise some more money for them at these events uh, as well. And uh, 
most all the events have a partnering local club. Like this is Peach State Kayak Anglers here. So, mm-hmm. and you can scroll down and see every page. You know, it's got pictures of the, of the theater we're going to be at and a detailed itinerary. It's got that uh, live stream listed there, like you talked about the preview video. So it's pretty much like you can't mess up. It's got, you know, all the eligible water that's inbounds here on your eligible water map. It's uh, it's pretty very very detailed, and you can just see how beautiful, you know, this area is here. So that's going to be a fun one, and uh, it even has stuff listed for non-fishing activities and sites to see for the family when they come. And we're going to have a, an excursion for the family as well, so uh, a designated excursion on, on Saturday. So you guys uh, definitely don't want to miss any of these events. Uh, in June 7th and 8th, we'll be in Michigan, Whitehall, Michigan, for Wild Whitehall, and uh, that's going to be a fun one. Uh, July 12th and 13th, it's called Ozarkana in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. And then August 9th and 10th is the Fiesta on the Susky in Tawanda, Pennsylvania. That's the upper, uh, the north branch of the Susquehanna River, right, right near the border, pretty close to the border of New York. And uh, there's some, some New York water that's even abounds in that event. And uh, September 6th and 7th, Wisconsin Riverfest in Sauk Prairie, Wisconsin. And we'll base, basically be featuring the Wisconsin River there. And uh, and then Broodstock is October 4th and 5th in Bowling Green, Kentucky. And every one of these stops – Except for, uh, I want to say, the uh, Susquehanna. Every one of them has lakes and bounds, several lakes and bounds, as well as the rivers and creeks that feed them and the rivers and the creeks that are in the area. So it's kind of it's kind of like a radius, uh, but it doesn't really set like a radius. It's just we put the core bodies of water that are in bounds on that map, and then we tell you anything that's free-flowing into that is fair game. And then we just put an upstream and a downstream launch boundary once we get to the point where that's that you know that boundary is an hour away from that theater that you got to get back to, we want you back to for the festival and the fun. So that's kind of how it works. Um, and those are the stops. And I cannot wait to see you guys at these events because it's gonna be a real good time. Okay, yeah, and uh, hopefully uh, Shirley Palooza. I'm I'm looking into the possibility of coming down. Probably won't participate in it, uh, but maybe bringing the kids down and checking it out because yeah. of the festival atmosphere, uh, having something for the whole family to do. Um, yeah. but, uh, so let's, let's assume that I am, uh, wanting to, uh, enter into the tournament. This is my, would be my first ever kayak tournament. What, what are some tips and suggestions? What, what are the things that I need to make sure I've got, uh, to even have any possibility of success. Yeah, I mean, aside from that, just the general understanding and knowledge of the bass and, and you know, where it lives and all that stuff, which is like, you know, a lifetime worth of <laughs> research and figuring out, you got you to gotta have yeah. that kind of part down. But I will say, at some point, you, you know, you just got to jump in a tournament because you're never going to get better until you start participating in some, right? So, and this is a good event if you're a beginner, which is the crazy thing. Like I said, everything is so well like thought out with this series because we're going to have a lot of the best anglers in the country fishing this because the individual division is $150 and there's a two-man team division that's $150, which is $75 a person, right? So basically, if you if you bought into the team division and the individual, you're spending $225. If you do that and you start to get two and 300 people in a tournament, somebody's walking away with five figures. So you're going to have a lot of the, the top anglers who really kind of, you know, and that's exciting because they're, you know, they're celebrities to, to a lot of folks out there and being around those guys and having the time built into fellowship like we have, you're going to learn from them. So coming to these events, 
if you want to, if you're, you know, just get into a tournament and you don't want to spend 150 bucks and then another 75 for the team, you can just enter. There's a couple things you could do. Enter just the team division, which is only again 75 bucks. So for you and your between you and your partner, um, well, separately, you know, making 150. So that's only 75 dollars, right? Or if you just want to enter the micro bag division, which again, it's the five smallest bass with a minimum of five inches. So it's at least it's only $25. So it gets you to be a part of the weekend and experience a tournament and how to measure fish and take pictures and all the, the mistakes you can maybe get kind of and all the bugs you can kind of get worked out. If you just fish that micro bag or fish the, just the team division, you know what I mean? Because then you're just out 75 bucks instead of 200 or 300 something dollars, you know? So that's one suggestion. The other thing you could do, which you probably noticed on the site, or you guys will see, there is a side pot Sunday tournament that's $25. So you could, and that's, that is your biggest five. So if you wanted another little bit of practice, someone like you would come to an event. Maybe you show up on Friday, you attend a seminar, you learn some stuff, you know, some cool stuff. You're around, or, you know, you could even show up as early as Thursday for the opening ceremonies too, just to get around a lot of these anglers that, you know, you can sort of glean some, some lessons off of them, right? And get to know them, become friends with them. But anyway, Friday, you got the seminars you could do. Um, you could, you know, Saturday, of course, you could be there and uh, just be a part of the whole festivity and um, just fish the side pot Sunday tournament uh, if you want to do that. So it's just lots of options. But basically, you need to work on fishing tournaments to get better. And that means like time management and knowing just, you know, when to, when to kind of, I guess, like basically leave an area, you know, when, when is it, you know, which takes kind of a little bit of time, you know, and also um, it lets you go through the whole process of pre-fishing and scouting and stuff like that. You know, it's all just a learning experience. So, you know, you got to get just time on the water and learn, and learn the fisheries and, and just practice doing them. Obviously there's other things like, you know, tethering your catch board. If you don't have a shoalie, the shoalie has got a built-in spot. That's it's pretty hard for that to fall out and doing things like that. Um, you know, time management, it's all just, just part of getting out there and, and sort of doing it really. Uh, I'm sure there's other, some other specific stuff that I could uh, get into or answer maybe on, you know, if you have any thoughts about it, you know, just with your gear, for example, or, or baits or something like that. But yeah, I don't know. And Anything else? No, I mean, like as far as with the Sholey specifically, if somebody's got that on their bucket list, uh for for a species they want to get they want to check it off what what is uh uh something that you find is tackle wise is easiest and, and i guess uh the most likely to, to get some catches is, is there one particular yeah. lure over another well, in May, at that particular tournament, that time, May 3rd and 4th, it would be a good time to, to get a topwater in your hand. Uh, if the water is up and murky, which it could be, just depending on the rain, you know, that, that's a little bit more of a, a bright, loud, sort of, you know, bright white, white and chartreuse, spinnerbait, chatterbait sort of bite. Um, big swim baits, they really, you know, they have big mouths. You probably saw in those pictures, they, they really do get big. So they eat really, really giant baits kind of like you know it's not quite as big as a large mouse mouth but it's very big so you can throw very giant baits and they will hit it and the murkier the water those tend to work a little bit better because they can kind of feel them and sense you know those baits in the water a little bit better so that's yeah. a good one um and obviously going to you know the Sholey Palooza that's a that's one reason we 
kicked off this whole series there is because so many people want to cross that off that bucket list. And this is definitely like, you know, the best time to be in Georgia to catch a shoal bass. That's when they're the most aggressive. They're, they're a little bit more concentrated in certain areas. So uh, you're, you're going to have some fun, but a buzz bait, a big top water, you know, bait works really good. If it, like a plopper style, Chapo, something like that. Uh, Zara spooks. They love, they love that kind of stuff. Buzz baits can't go wrong. And of course, who doesn't love top water? Yeah. And uh, so I guess, let me ask you this also, as far as your personal preference, when, when you're targeting the Shoalies, what, what do you like to use as far as rod and reel setup? I typically will use like a seven foot three kind of range, seven foot six, maybe um, for some of those bigger baits and, and uh, longer casts and heavier, you know, swim baits and stuff like that. But I usually I have like 30 pound braid on there. You know, if it's a top water, I might have 40, maybe even 50, but um, 30 pound braid with a medium, heavy seven foot three kind of action rod and, and uh, just get after it and power fish. That's what, that's what I love to do. They, they will eat, you know, your Ned rigs and your crawl, you know, TRD crawl from Z-Man or your the stuff on the bottom like that trick worms and you know all kinds of baits like that they they, they will definitely eat it crawfish jigs uh, but my preference is just to move down the river and hit a lot of targets and you know as much as i can and power fish so that's kind of how i approach it okay and now let me ask you this about uh the the series uh, as far as rules i haven't had a chance to sit down and actually read through all the rules yet but uh say somebody wanted to bring a canoe would, would they be yeah. able to enter in a canoe yeah, if you read the rules, technically you can be in a canoe. And and the reason, again, when we made every rule, we simply thought about, you know, like the trolling and the two rods, you know, trolling. We thought, why in kayak fishing do we not allow trolling? It just doesn't in, – in fishing for bass because it's not like it's some great advantage. And it's not – you know what I mean? And, and the two rods at once, it's it's like we, we want you to be able to catch that shoal bass that's following your other shoal bass when you have one on. I know this is like a high-level tactic here. I, I get that. But it happens more than you think or the opportunity for it to happen more than you would think. You see a, another smallmouth or a shoal bass or an Alabama or spotted bass, you know, following or another largemouth, a bigger one following, you know, the bait, the one that you have hooked. We want you to be able to, to toss in and catch that fish. So getting back to your question, you know, we allow canoes because we thought, well, wait a second, you know, a sit-inside kayak. This rotomolded is made out of plastic is nothing more than a canoe. That's all it is. And why would we not want people in canoes to be able to participate? Because that only means means that more people will probably be in the event. If more people are at the event, that's a bigger party and just more fun we all have, right? And that means the pot gets even bigger for everyone too. Now, the reality is you might say, well, those canoe companies don't support the kayak fishing you know, community. And I would argue and say – we all know that a kayak is a better tool to fish out of than a canoe. Like we know that. So why not get the canoe, a few canoe people at every event that already fish the, maybe they fish the event cause they already have a canoe, but they don't have a kayak. And then they see all these kayaks and all the incredible technology and features that are on these kayaks and how comfortable they are. You can't tell me we're not going to convert people from canoes into kayaks. Just trust me. I, I know we will. It's going to work more that way than it is the opposite way. So why not? You know, so since there was no reason to not allow it for in that, you know, aspect, we said, let's let's just allow it. So we'll see. Yeah. And I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think you'll probably see folks that would be uh, 
similar circumstance to me. Uh, like I've got a couple of boys that would be interested in participating. We don't have tandem kayaks. They're not old enough to be uh, able to go out in a kayak on their own and really get around. So if we were to do it as a two-man team, we'd probably be showing up in the canoe uh, just so that they could get around to fish. But yeah. um, I think that's awesome that you're allowing that. Um, I think so. Because be cool. like you say, it, it does open up uh, that many more people yeah. to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. But um, now now that we've talked about fishing a good bit, and, and you mentioned early on uh, God God working in getting you with Crescent, um, mm-hmm. let's let let's talk a little bit about your faith adventure. Sure, uh, sure, how, yeah. How did how did you come to know Christ? Uh, just give us your your yeah. story. Yeah, it's a pretty cool story. I mean, you know, I I come from a family that you know my my dad is a minister, my parents you know are ministers, if you will, um, and you know my dad has done lots. He's you know taught seminary he's wrote a book he's been he was actually on staff at first baptist atlanta for a while in the counseling center which is actually how he ended up in atlanta uh, because we were from texas originally and you know he's just done so much and and now just has his own ministry and and has done like mission trips a lot of mission trips overseas training leaders and in other countries and, and counseling with pastors and wives so i've been around around it all my life you know i went to a, a christian university lee, lee university in Cleveland, Tennessee, and have an undergrad de- degree in youth ministry. But the, I think what's cool about it really is that, you know, I mean, I, I can't say I've never, like, you know, we all kind of have to, like, figure some stuff out for ourselves when you get older. You know what I mean? It's not like just because mom and dad said so. I just, like, took it and just, you know, ran, whatever. But but at the same time, it's like, man, I, I kind of just, like, grasped it and I got it since I was young. And I understood the principles and I could see and and – I mean, I could just, and maybe it's because I I had other people in my life that I could see making some of the, you know, I would say uh, some mistakes that, that either hurt them or others, right? And, and it wasn't good for them. So I kind of learned some lessons without having to do it myself, right? But I also then translated that to, oh, wait a second. That's exactly what this lesson in the Bible is about. You know what I mean? So I kind of like got to see some of that. But it's a cool story in the fact that, man, once you really gr- grasp and you get it, that it just like you don't like you don't really want to go chase anything else because you, you know that it's it's a dead end you know what I mean and yeah. the cool thing about you know even like this kayak adventure series we've got a built-in faith fellowship time um, it's usually a 30 minute window before the awards begin at at the theater so maybe in the balcony or whatever and and people are welcome to come and be a part of that and the cool thing about the kayak adventure series is just that you know we're not like pushing anything and that's just not really you know my style i don't even feel like if you biblically it's not really you know you know really the style either i mean jesus just loved everyone he just showed his love and then and then the bible talks about if you seek you will find and i just want to encourage people you know personally if they want to talk to me of course or or whatever that's that's different but just encourage people to get out there enjoy god's creation and just continue to seek and search because there's no way in the world that we are sitting here on a ball that's hovering in space with this sun that's whatever many millions of whatever miles away or thousands or whatever it is of uh, i mean i don't like and it, it, if we were x number of miles closer to that sun or x number of miles further away our, our planet would be too, too cold to survive or too or we would burn up it's like there's no possible just comprehension in my mind that there is a god of course and if you seek you will find i believe in the bible says that so my whole faith story is just about like let's, you know, I'm authentic. I am who I am. I'm not gonna like 
you know, I've got friends of all different faiths and all, you know, some that have no faith and that's like totally fine. But I'm just encouraging everyone just keep searching and keep seeking because I know that they'll they'll find it eventually. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. it's just too, you know, this whole planet, it's just crazy. All this, you know, my son's been into space even more lately. So it just it's gotten me thinking even more about just how insane it is that we are here. I mean, and we just take that for granted every day. We don't think about it. It, it, we're just it's it's something that we're just kind of like immune to at this point and really the reality is nothing can't like create something you know what i mean like there has to be something you know what i mean at the beginning and obviously the hardest part of that is well then who created god you know what i mean and that's where god, the bible and god just says but that's the part you just have to like it's faith and it has to and it says childlike faith well that's that's the only way you could potentially our brains can't comprehend that you know what i mean well because you could also make that argument who who created God then, you know what I mean? So in my mind, yeah, there's no doubt like, you know, a creator. And I just love to encourage people to get out there and, and seek and you're going to find it. And uh, maybe someone finds something at a kayak adventure series event and a person that, that shows them the love of, of God, you know, and that changes their life. And, uh, or you know, I, I just really hoping that this right here, getting and bringing people together in person can can get a lot of that sort of stuff going in the community. And I think it's, it's been a good thing for so many others because back at the river bass and tournament trail and other series I ran, uh, you know, the stories I still hear from people that got connected there and it's changed their lives. And, and, and some it's a faith like connection, some it's not. And really it doesn't matter either way. It's just uh bettering people's lives uh, in general is what we're all about here. And, and uh, yeah, my faith story is pretty cool in the sense that, you know, I ended up, you know, just continuing to to realize without having to go hit some complete rock bottom like you hear some people's stories right before kind of you know, God just you know that's God shaking you up you know what I mean like uh, and I've had a lot of rock bottoms in my life but having the faith that I have those rock bottoms like I'll tell you the cool story now is like one of them is well I was working at a university I got my master's degree after my undergraduate in, in uh, youth ministry from Lee. I got my master's degree from Georgia State in sports management, and I was working at a university in North Georgia. I bought my first home. I got this cool little view of the mountains, and uh, it was an interim position technically, but uh, you know, I went ahead and bought a home there because I loved the job. All the students at the university loved me. It was My family was 30 minutes away, my niece, my nephew. Man, I'm here forever. I love it. My feet are propped up. This is great, and it was happy and content. Well, remember I told you it was an interim job, right? And but they had to hire a full time person and all the students. It was kind of like a no brainer. Oh, well, Drew's going to get the job. I mean, everyone, you know, but for whatever reason, you know, the uh, my boss there decided to go a different route. And it just shook my world up because I just committed to buying a home there. And so when I did that, it caused me to leave and uh, move to South Carolina for five years and take a similar position at a different university. And there was no one there like my age. My family wasn't there. There's nothing to do but fish. That's it. I mean, it's just the students at the university and, and, you know, and basically like me and hardly anybody else my age in my mid twenties there. So I just fished, I fished, I fished and that honed my skills. And what I, and I, and it was starting to build a brand online, uh, on forums and places I was posting and, and got into kayak fishing, obviously. And, and, uh, just built this when I didn't realize I was, God had made that happen all to engineer this, this change into allowing me to be able to fish for a living. And if that original rock bottom moment didn't happen, you know, losing your job out out of the nowhere like that and didn't know where you were, were going to go, 
then I would never be here. You know what I mean? So, but isn't it funny how at the time you're like just frustrated at God, you're cursing God, you're like so mad at you know the world and and everything. How could this happen? But now it's like the opposite. You were crying tears of sadness and and frustration and anger, if you will, like the first time. But now, if I look back on that event, I really want to like think about my life now and where it's led me with my family and every, you know, like I would cry tears of joy for that event. But without a faith and knowing that God's in control, it doesn't mean I, you know, didn't freak out and I wasn't mad and wasn't angry. But the, but I learned a valuable lesson then. So now in the future, when things, when the world falls apart and COVID happens and I lose what I had going with Jackson and where am I going to go now? And I've got two kids and everything to support. At least I know, dude, I don't even care anymore. Like, I'm just like, whatever, God's got it. I'm not worried about it, you know? So it's it's definitely cool to see, like, that live out in your everyday life, you know what I mean? How you can trust in, that he's got you and that he is, you know, your heavenly father who loves and cares for you. And, and you know, you kind of have to – it's hard. It's It's super hard to do and believe that when something bad happens. But I'm telling you, if you believe in him, he – he did all that he did for us and, 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 and died on the cross and did all that so that we could have that burden lifted off our shoulders. You know what I mean? Like to, to not stress and worry about all these things in life. And when we as Christians are, don't like do that and we're stressed and worrying like crazy, it's almost just like, come on, man. Like that was – he didn't do that all for nothing. He did it so you could just relax and like just in, enjoy and, and – Know that he's got it. And so there's a fine line definitely to, well, what do you do? You just sit around and do nothing all your life and just, just float around and not care about things? Of course not. But you know what I'm saying? Like at the end of the day, you yeah. do have to know. And, and deep down in your heart, he's got you. It's going to be okay. And it's just going to lead you somewhere greater and something cooler. And, and it's, you know, of course, led me to a lot of different places and a lot of cool friendships. And now this Kike Adventure Series and Crescent. And it's been awesome. And, uh, you know. We'll see where it goes from here, man. Oh, yeah. And uh, just kind of coming off of that before we go into the, the last segment with the Me Too, um, something that I've started asking asking guests is uh, what what is a way that uh, I and other listeners can uh, pray for you, support you through prayer? What, what's a good prayer request yeah, for man. you? Oh, man, just, you know, this is a big thing we're putting on this year. You know, GoPro's the headline sponsor. That's a big deal. I've got, you know, a lot of other all the sponsors when you when you guys see them as sponsors you got to think to me they're they're bosses they're like you know they're expecting a return on what's happening there and so basically i guess my kids are right there it's funny i don't know if you could hear them or not but um so just prayers for you know making sure everything goes smooth this first year as smooth as possible and a lot of people come and have fun because that's at the end of the day just that's the idea you know have a big big party big celebration so okay cool well uh on that note, we'll uh, we'll move into this real quick, and um, just it, it's a segment called Me Too. Uh, it's just a few right. questions I ask everybody, and then uh, I'll let you pick a few numbers for for the last few questions. But right. um, uh, and that's fine with the kids. I keep waiting on mine to bust in at, yeah. at any minute myself. But um, first off, what's your favorite Bible story? Oh gosh, favorite one, man. That's a that's a good one. Um, there's so many. Hang on, guys. Dad is trying to focus here. Hang on. Guess can head back upstairs. I'll be up there soon, okay? Go get ready. We're going to go to that birthday party. Um, yeah, I mean, gosh, dude, that is such a good question because there's so many good ones that I almost wish I had these in advance just to find, like, my favorite. But, I mean, 
I don't know. I think, and gosh, there's so many good ones. I bet you, I don't, I don't know. I've got to pick one, so I just got to, I got to do it, I guess. But I guess, I guess like, you know, there's something about the feeding of the, you know, 10,000 or maybe like, you know, the, the parable about, you know, casting your net uh, as a fishing one, you know, cast your net on the other side. And, and Andrew is, you know, I'm named Andrew. I'm a, you know, who's a fisherman in the Bible. So, you know, I don't know, I'm just torn. Uh, but, but I would just say like the feeding of, you know, that, that to me is a five th- or 10,000. Uh, that's the one that just gets me uh, because in my life, I've seen how God has basically like just whenever we needed something, cause it's a risk to, you know, do what I do now in, in this industry. It's not like you, you don't get rich in the fishing industry, right? It just doesn't happen. You know, it's a fun, whenever you work in sports and outdoors, the problem with that is, you know, no one makes a ton of money unless you're actually like the corporation that owns all the entities. So I've seen how God has just, just keeps making things work, making ends meet when we need a check to come in to cover this, you know, it's there. And that's just like his provision, you know, he's taking care of us our entire, entire life. And that's, that's always a good one uh, for sure. And um, yeah, I'll just, I'll just pick that one for now, but yeah. That's, All right. It's a tricky. Question. Okay. Uh, what's uh, the favorite state or national park or other outdoors venue that you've ever visited? Probably that's a good one. I would say, man, there's a lot of good ones I've, I've visited, but pro- I've been to Yosemite. That was incredible. But Bryce Canyon was really good in uh, Utah. Just totally different from anything on the East Coast, you know, where I've lived yeah. all my life. So that one was really, really magical uh, place. It was really cool if you've never gone to that one. But, uh, okay. yeah, those two were really incredible for sure. Okay. And uh, what what is a food that you would consider a staple in your cooler whenever you're going out on a fishing trip? Well, this is a really great question because I have a unique one that people always laugh at me, and then other people actually get it, and they start doing it themselves. I just grab, especially in tournaments or any any day, really, you're out there fishing and working hard, paddling hard, using a lot of energy. I actually um, get the can of Campbell's Chunky Soup or Progresso, the pop-top lids, and just drink mm-hmm. it straight out of the can, straight out of the can. <laughs> People think that's it. gross, but I'm telling you right now, when you're out there on the water – you don't even notice and you don't even care. It just tastes amazing. So, <laughs> All yeah. right. What, uh, what is it, something on your outdoor bucket list that you really want to check off? Probably fishing the upper Mississippi River above like Minneapolis, like the upper, upper section. Really good smallmouth fishing up there. Never been there. It's one of the few places I've not been that I know is really, really good. So. Okay, and uh, this is a personal preference. Which term are you using, Bigfoot or Sasquatch? I'm going to go, man, I think, I've never thought about this, but I think. Yeah, I'm gonna I mean, say, if you're yeah, just out question. using it, which, which one do you I, use? I most? think I use Bigfoot. I, I do say Bigfoot more. Okay, now, yeah. now follow up, is Bigfoot real? Bigfoot real? Yeah, now there's no there's no right or wrong questions. You think Bigfoot actually exists? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh is bigfoot real yeah yeah, yeah. I think, sorry i don't know why. oh no. gosh no i don't think so man i'm not <laughs> i'm not a bigfoot believer or a loch ness monster believer or any of that stuff i mean i just feel like we would have really actually had one now if it, right. you know what i mean if that's if it's true and but oh yeah yeah, yeah. all right uh what's a <laughs> outdoor slang term that you've either had to explain to somebody or somebody's had to explain to you or think you might would need to explain you know i it's 
I don't know if it's a slang term per se, but the the broodstock term, the, the name for our championship, it's a fishing term. I don't know if you've heard of it or know what it is, but um, some people have, some people haven't. So I was explaining that the broodstock is the, uh, the fish that the state Department of Natural Resources, the fisheries biologists, they shock up with their shock boats fish in the lakes and uh, they capture, you know, the, the biggest ones in a net you know, as they float up to the surface. They get the biggest ones when they're capturing that what's called their broodstock. And they, the biggest ones have the biggest genetics. And if you obviously spawn those two together, they bring them back to their state, you know, fishing ponds. Uh, well, mm-hmm. not fishing. They're just the state, like, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know what I'm talking about? The, yeah, the, the like the hatcheries. Spawning hatcheries. That's right. Yeah. Hatchery. Perfect. They take them back to the hatcheries. They put them together in a certain pond, and then they, they spawn. And basically that's – that. then they stock their, their babies into, you know, all the fisheries around the country, you know, or that state, I guess, which, whichever state they're in. So broodstock is a, is a term that's kind of a fishing term that, you know, people just, you know, didn't really, don't really always get. So I guess I'll kind of cheat with okay. that one. Yeah, that's fine. All right. And uh, if you could only own and use one uh, style of fishing setup for the rest of your life, what, what would it be? A uh, bait cast, spinning, spin cast, or fly? Definitely a bait caster. Probably okay. a seven foot three, medium heavy. Okay. With like a thirty pound braided line and just you could do anything with it. At that point you could flip and pitch and punch and chatterbait and spinnerbait. I mean it's not the the perfect for the punching or flipping you know, whatever heavy, heavy cover, but you could pull it off right. if you just had to have one, that would do it. I got you. All right, now go ahead and give me a give me a number between one and fifteen. Oh, fourteen. 14. All right. Uh, how do you get your caffeine fix? Coffee, oh, energy man. drink, yeah. soft drink, coffee. or something else? Coffee. It's coffee. Coffee guy for me. It, you know, so it's weird. Sometimes sometimes I'll drink it just straight black and I like it like that. And then other days I'll say, you know what, I'll mix it up, make me a little frou frou like Starbucks kind of drink and just mix in <laughs> all the chocolate and everything else. So it just depends on the mood. Okay. Uh, give me another number between 1 and 15. Oh, uh, 8. 8. All right. What is a rule that you'd include in a bass tournament, which obviously all we've got to do is go go to the, go yeah. to the website and we can see all of that. That's but, true. That's true. Yeah, I mean, so. I, yeah, for me, it was just be allowing. So every rule in every tournament and every sport, forget tournaments, any sport, like the, the football, the shape of the football, that's a rule. You know, if that mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, it actually is a rule. And so it's it's the purpose is to keep the sport the sport, like why it originally got made before it was actually a competitive sport. So like, for example, the, the fact that you, you're allowed to forward pass and run the ball in football, those are rules. If you took away the forward pass, you'd be left with rugby. But basically, you're just running the ball. So it's yeah. not that much different than rugby. Well, they have to put those rules in there to keep the sport the sport. And for fishing and kayak fishing in particular, the way it grew and what makes the kayak unique and it makes the sport the sport is its ability to go skinny and shallow but also its ability to go out in the middle of the pacific ocean which i fished in the gulf of the atlantic in the middle of lake lanier or lake fork or lake you name it gunnersville it can do it all so to keep the sport the sport the rule set that i would do which we've done with the kayak adventure series is make sure that the anglers who who fish both of those styles you know accessing at a river or bridge or canoe and kayak launch or wildlife management area you can you can do that legally on a Saturday, and that's what people do. So that is in the rules. And then also you can fish out in the main open water 
with electronics and motors and all that stuff too. That's keeping the sport the sport. So okay, all right. And then we'll just wrap up with one more question. Go ahead and give me one last number. I'll do two. Two. What is your ideal camping setup? A camper, a tent, or open sky like a hammock or just laid out around a campfire? You know, I feel like the older I get, the more like it staircases up from <laughs> open to like camper. And then like uh, now the, the camper all the way now. So I would say now I'm getting a little bit like uh, – lazier and, and older just more more comfort <laughs> it's important i think the camper because even at the uh tournaments now we get we get airbnbs where we split the cost and it's just as much as a campground anyway so and, mm, okay. anyway but yeah man that's yeah. That, that's it camper for awesome me. great well drew i really appreciate your time and uh sitting down and letting me uh, pick your brain on all these topics i mean i know we've talked about a whole lot but i i appreciate it i've i've learned a lot i know the the get or the Listeners have learned a lot as well. And uh, so, uh, again, uh, thank you. No problem, man. Well, I look forward to seeing you guys at, or possibly you at the Sholey Palooza and, and all you guys listening, maybe at a Kayak Adventure Series um, tournament this year. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully we'll, we'll be seeing you here in a couple of months. All right. See ya. See ya.